What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation between me and my dad, where we talk about the post-jazz game. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is the dad, Barry, bringing you an After the Game episode. And the Jazz are on a winning streak. They won tonight. Holy cow. 111 to 101 against the Detroit Pistons. They avenged the loss that they had about 10 days earlier in Detroit and beat the Pistons tonight. A win that was expected, a win that we needed, and a win that starts us on a winning streak before we go against some of the best competition in the NBA. What did you think about tonight's game, Spencer? It's sad to kind of be excited about a win against the Pistons. It was kind of a boring game, but the Jazz definitely deserved the win. I it, The score was 101 to 111, but the game was pretty close the whole time. It was, it was within five or definitely wasn't too much of, of a uh, huge win, but definitely helps winning games. Yeah, the game was close. It was closer than it should have been throughout the night. A lot of ties, a lot of lead changes. Uh, I think the Pistons even down within three minutes were only down three as the game started to get near the end. And all Jazz fans know, and the NBA knows, the Jazz had a hard time closing out games this year, surprisingly. And this had the makings of that happening again. But I felt confident all the way through that um, we would be okay. And in the end, we were. Um, does this give you confidence, Spencer, as we move into a hard part of our schedule? Or are you still a little like, oh, my gosh, what is happening here? I mean, I'm not really expecting too much now, you know, coming because if had we been playing better these next four games where we play Golden State, then Phoenix back to back and then the Grizzlies. Um, had we been playing well at this point of the season, I'd be really excited for this stretch, but I'm also dreading it now and I, I'm not really expecting us to win. More. I like maybe we'll win one out of those four games, but Getting the wins you're supposed to win helps a lot. I just wish we blew them out. And that's where it's like kind of, yeah, it was a win and we should get the win. Great. But I would love to see the Jazz completely destroy a team and say, look, we don't mess around. The Pistons are bad and we're good. So we beat them by 25 or 30 points. And that would set a tone for the next four games. Yeah, I totally hear you. I think, I think a few things to consider over the last 10 games, or we lost six out of seven or six out of the last eight or whatever we are over the last 10, we really haven't been at perfect full strength for a while. Rudy missed those four games. We actually stole one in Denver while he was out. Donovan has missed a couple of games and now he's, you know, in and out of the lineup. Whiteside seems like he's been out forever. I can't remember the last time he played. Rudy Gay goes out, then comes back, then goes out, and then comes back. The, what set the tone 25 years ago for the Jazz that went to the NBA Finals and somewhat during the Boozer, Darren Williams era was health. They were healthy. And even last year, I think the Jazz, for the most part, were healthy until the end. Donovan got hurt, Conley got hurt, and then that manifested itself in the playoffs. I truly want to see our team at full strength. Really want to see our full strength. That's number one. Number two, um, I said it during the game tonight as we were watching. 
our defense of late really has been, can we outscore you? Not can we out defend you, but can we outscore you? And when you mentioned you'd love to see teams blown out, last year we blew teams out because we just could crush them with our three-point shot and just reach in and pull their heart out and show it to them while, they're, while it's beating, right? And this year we just can't do that, and we think we still can. So it's a, it's a different makeup. What's your take on the defensive struggles? We're the number one offensive team in the NBA, which is a little surprising to me even after this rough patch, but we've fallen to the 12th defense in the league, which is really not our calling card. Over the last four or five years, we've been – one of the top five defensive teams, if not the top defensive team in the NBA. So what's our struggle here? Well, if we're not playing defense, then we have to make our shots because if we start missing our shots and not playing defense, then that's when we really get in trouble. I so think. Does, so does defense breed good offense or does offense breed good defense? What's your thought? Uh, I think you are better off. Um, I, I just think you're in less jeopardy if you're playing, at least playing defense, you know? Just because, like, mm-hmm. if you're not going to make your shots, then – if you're not going to play defense and you miss your shots, then you're in trouble. That's just kind of the statement. And yeah, that- we talked about it tonight. I mean, I think defense, defense is, is hard work, and I don't, I don't know if our guys are working hard enough. That There was a game in this stretch that we got. Did we get another win in Denver or yeah. in this stretch? And, and you saw the connection, you saw the hard work, but I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know if we have, I'll, I'll come to a comment in a minute, but I don't know if we have the hard workers on the team right now, or at least they're not showing it at times. Well, we definitely, it's definitely the middle of the season and you could see that league wide where a lot of good teams like the Nets or the Bucks or, I mean, the Lakers, I don't know if they're a good team, but just teams in general are starting to just kind of, hit the mid-season slump where it's like, okay, what's this all about? We're not quite in crunch time where we need to start thinking about where we're going to line up for the playoffs. We still have games where we could win, so we're not going to really give it all. Let's just coast towards the All-Star game, and then we could start turning it on after. So that's definitely there, and that hurts when you don't play, and you don't play defense. It hurts you when you're, when you're playing defense. But at, at the same time, it's very clear, clear, in my opinion, that we took a huge s- switch, and now it's become an extreme where Quinn has taken, hey, we're great at defense, to let's just be good at offense and not worry about that defense. And so I think that's the biggest problem. I, and- I think one of the things that I wrote tonight what is the makeup of the team, you know, a, a, a byproduct of that non-defense now. Um, there was a statement the other day as I was listening about people talk about the Jazz where when we had – Ricky Rubio, he wasn't a great shooter. So for him to stay in the league, he had to play defense or he had to give more on the defensive side than others. And he became scrappy. Jay Crowder, he really isn't a great basketball player. So he knows that. So in order to stay in the league and to be relevant, he just plays hard and plays defense. You might even say that, I got to be careful here, about Draymond Green with the Warriors. Is he really a phenomenal athlete? I, he is, but the guy knows that if he lets up on the defensive end, his other skills on the offensive end or rebounding aren't going to keep him in the league. So he plays hard on defense. 
So you take that and you go to our current jazz roster. And who do we have that does that? Bogey's got a shot. So I'll make it in the NBA because I can shoot. Joe's got a shot. I'll make it in the NBA because I can shoot. Clarkson's got some moves. I'll make it in the NBA because I can shoot and score. Um, Donovan, probably the same. And Mike just is a size issue. So Rudy becomes the sole guy who says, in order for me to stay in the league, I have to play defense. And one guy playing defense doesn't make a championship team. Yeah, it's very well said. I agree. If you look at even the Bulls, everybody had a different role, but the Chicago Bulls with, um, uh, oh, shoot, what was his name? That all he did was get rebounds. Like there was just. Well, you had Dennis, Dennis Rodman. All he did was rebound, right? And Scottie Pippen knew that there were nights he needed to play long stretch defense. Ron Harper played for that team and he was a defense. In fact, some of the defensive players for the Bulls actually got the nickname the Dobermans because their job every night was to go in and just muck it up and be the dogs. And then they let Jordan or Pippen, you know, really do the damn or Kukoc do the damage on the offensive side. But they knew those, I guess you could say that. And I said this tonight during the game, I guess you could say that about Pascal, but, but then again, no, I, I don't, I don't I think Pascal is a little bit kind of pressured right now because he's not seeing the minutes he wants and, and Quinn really isn't really giving him um, the confidence that he needs when he's in there. I feel like he feels like he needs to do a lot in order to prove that he should be in the game and that yeah. takes away from, from his play. But going back to kind of Quinn, I, I, I mentioned this during the game. I wish, cause we were up by eight going into half and then we came out in the start of the third quarter. They took the lead about three minutes in. So we lost our eight-point lead and went down by one almost immediately into the third quarter. It almost seems like Quinn was okay with us only being up by eight and didn't really energize the team to come back. And so if I was a coach in that situation, I'd be like, listen, guys, I want to destroy the, this team. I want to annihilate the other team. I know we're up by eight. I want to be up by 20 when there's about eight minutes left in the third quarter. I don't want to stop. Why, why would we, this is, this is halfway through the game. The, the job's not done. So let's, let's go up and let's try to annihilate and run these people off the court so that we're up by 25, uh, five minutes after halftime. And it just didn't seem like the jazz had that mentality. They're just, Oh, we're just playing basketball. It's okay. Let's just try to win. And we're winning right now. So let's just, let's just, go easy for a little bit and yeah that's I totally, not a championship mentality yeah i totally hear you I, you know we don't know what's said in the locker room but it certainly isn't manifesting himself in the way that you just described it it's almost like you want him to say for the next five minutes when we get out there in the third quarter everyone guard your yard and fly around and defend like your life depends on it and let's push this lead from six to eight to twelve to twenty I totally hear what you're saying. Um, it, I don't know if they're trying to do different defensive schemes. Some of these losses in, in this bad stretch have been because all of a sudden somebody's wide open for a three and, and you go, wait, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. It seems like they're keeping Rudy at the rim a little bit more. You know, we got exposed in the Clippers series last year by bringing Rudy out. So that feels like they figured out how to keep him closer to the rim and protect the rim. But all that's doing is leaving somebody else open. I totally get it. I I see where you're going. Do you think 
that the Jazz woes over the last couple of weeks or in the month of January are from coaching. I think so. I think Quinn is not having control over the team and he just isn't his strategy. And we've kind of mentioned it a couple times on the podcast. He's a little bit, uh, he's rigid and strict and sticks to his game plan. And I don't think he's adaptable. And so when things start to go South, he doesn't correct to help revive them. So a lot of times, um, Player teams will go on a run and he can't stop that run. Or a lot of times he just won't let us come back. He just seems to keep the momentum going in whatever way it's going. And that, that's not what a good coach does. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know if I'm smart enough to see if he's making changes or not it, in personnel. It seems a little bumpy every now and then some of the lineups that he has in there and it's easy to, to criticize. I think I want to hold judgment on Quinn this season until we get completely healthy. I want to get everyone back and get into a five or 10 game run where there's no COVID excuse. There's no sore heel excuse. There's no concussion excuse. That's part of the coach though. And he just doesn't seem to manage it. I I, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and see how that unfolds. I think it's interesting. It's interesting to look at some of the stories of late while Gobert was out and the day before he came back, he made the statement that other teams just are getting better and have a mentality to win. And he said, even Devin Booker's defense has gotten better in Phoenix. I don't, that wasn't necessarily a shot at Donovan or Jordan, but they actually came out and were questioned about it. And in the media, they said their piece and said, whatever, we'll ignore it. There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of COVID who knows what, went down night before last while Pat, why Pascal didn't get in and got a DNP when he was healthy. We know that Pascal's best friend growing up, or should I say teammate in AAU was Donovan Mitchell. You wonder, you wonder if there's just a little bumps and bruises in the locker room and how Quinn's handling the team. Yeah, definitely. It's always a question that's going on behind closed doors and we get glimpses of it when um, players show their emotion. But I, I think I agree with Gobert. Um, you mentioned during the game that a lot of the jazz players right now don't really have an incentive to play hard just because they are getting paid and they're not what you said, hungry. They're not desperate to make a new contract or to prove something right now, just because they're in a comfortable state. So it almost seems like we need to do what we did, what happened last year, not that we did it, but where there was the the flock of birds that ran into the plane and it Mm -hmm. kind of put into perspective, what they were playing for because they had a little scare there so it'll be interesting to see what motivates the jazz now um as they kind of get close to the all-star game and right now they're seeing their themselves slip into the bottom eight or the bottom half of the eight that qualified from the western yeah yeah i'll go back to that statement that you said and i heard this that you know, who's fighting for life right now? Clearly we want to win. And this might've been similar to last year, but Rudy's going to get paid. Donovan's going to get paid. Conley just signed a three-year deal. He's going to get paid. One thing that's interesting about Mike Conley, if you look at the plus minus, that guy is plus every night. So when he's in, we do well. Just so everybody knows, maybe he should be playing more minutes. Boyan Bogdanovich is going to get paid. Ingles is on a contract year. But here's what I think about Joe. Joe's like, you really think 
you really think the Jazz are going to not re-sign me? I really think he feels comfortable there, and I think that there's loyalty. So there's not more. Yeah. Jordy Clarkson's getting paid. Royce O'Neal's getting paid. Rudy Gay is getting paid. Hassan Whiteside's, you know, who knows where his mentality is. Yeah. He's on a contract, but he's just happy to be on a team making $2.5 million. The point I'm trying to make here is, do you have that Doberman defender that's like making $700,000 a year and wants to prove himself? And we really don't. So there's a little bit of, hey, well, I've got mine. What do I need to worry about? And um, you're right. Maybe the flock of birds is something that makes you really think how lucky you are to be alive. Well, I I think it'll, um, oh, what was I going to say? But definitely need um, a little bit more boost and, and a little bit more drive. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it seems like the Jazz definitely want to win. They have, they are a bunch. Most of people, most of the players that are in the NBA are most professional athletes, as I say, whether it be football, uh, soccer, basketball. They grew up winning games, so they're not used to losing because they were always the best on the team, and so they were able to, and the best in the league, so they were able to carry their team to winning each night. So they're they're winners by nature. I think what's separating the Jazz from the great teams of the league right now as they are content with winning, which is good, but a lot of other teams want to destroy their opponent. They want to annihilate their opponent and they want to make the rest of the league know that they just beat a team by 20 points. and they just took it to another team. And that's where it's different with the jazz. We're like, Oh yeah, I want to win because I've been a winner my whole life. It's a little different than saying, I want to destroy this team. So the next time they come back to salt Lake, they're going to be shaking and they don't, they don't seem to have that mentality, which I'm if I'm going to go play Madison Square Garden, I'm going to be a little bit afraid. If I'm going to go play Barkley Center against the Nets, I'm going to be a little bit afraid because I know what those teams can do to me. And a lot of teams, when they come to Salt Lake, they're like, well, what are the Jazz going to do to us? Barely scrape by and win by five points? No. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. And I'm going to say this. There's, there's, we've said this on the podcast throughout the season. Who fears us? right? What team comes into Utah and says, wow, there's no way I'm going to win tonight. High altitude team never loses in Salt Lake. Rudy Gobert's blocking every shot. These guys are running up and down the court, making threes. That fear is gone. Teams come into Utah and it's game on. And when we're on the road, we've had a really good road until we somewhat fell apart on the last road trip. We've been really good on the road, but you don't, see teams anymore like last year or maybe even the year before that where you knew you put a little bit of fear in them that donovan was going to go off or joe was going to go off or rudy was going to go off but we 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 instill very little fear in anyone right now i think teams love to play us because they know that they can just make a fool out of us and they think that we're overvalued or we're overrated and so they're like oh this team's overrated let me show you why and well, here's the reality. We're, we're not we're not overrated anymore. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think we're overrated. Everybody, you're right. Early on in the year, a lot of high expectations. I think those ex- expectations are gone. So, I mean, I think everybody's written us off after this last rough patch and have said, and you've seen some of the writers do it, and I don't blame them. It's like, here we go again. You know, this team's always good in the regular season, but when they come up against tough competition or they go against adversity, it it's the wheels come off. Um, these next you mentioned it. It's 
what is it? Golden, Golden State, State, Phoenix, Phoenix, Memphis. Holy yep. cow. Um, but you're right. If we were playing well, I would go, man, I'm really excited about the stretch. Right now, I'm like, I don't know if I'm excited about the stretch. And does it, does it really matter? And, you know, we're playing like these games don't matter. And you're sliding from third to fourth. What happens? The Mavericks have been playing lights out lately. What if they catch you? And then all of a sudden you lose home court advantage. I know we've got a lot of games left in the season. I just, you look at Memphis and you can just see the hunger in their eyes with John Moran and their team is they're just a young team. That's like, Holy cow, we're making a run for ourselves right now. Something that Memphis hasn't done so much in the past couple of years, but they have that. Let's see how far we can go. Um, mentality and so they're just putting it all out there winning and the jazz just seem like oh well we took first place last year um it, it doesn't really matter let's just let's just we'll win some we'll lose some this year and then let's see how we do in the playoffs when i wish we had what memphis has which is let's just let's just win games and see how like see how far we can go with with this talent that we have or like golden state where they're just like let's just let's try to be what we were a couple of years ago where we didn't lose any games or like the Suns where they're like, let's prove to everybody that we are the best. They have something to prove. The Jazz just don't really seem like they care about. Yeah. About and I don't know. I don't know. What, it's a great I don't know what that is. I, I, I don't know I where that really comes has it. I just don't, I don't see, I don't see the team unified in like a let's devour the other team, you know? So about two months ago on the podcast or in an exchange that we had, I said, man, aren't you glad that we have Rudy Gay instead of George Niang? And aren't you glad that we have Hassan Whiteside over Derek Favors? Now I'm like, there are moments when having the minivan back Seriously. Might, might be better. I, 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 I'm not dissing Rudy Gay. However, when he comes in the game, I'm not also saying I'm glad Rudy Gay's on the floor. That's the problem I have because I don't, I'm not getting much out of him. And I know that he's picking up minutes that Whiteside had and he's trying to play the five, but let's face it. Rudy Gay is not, I'd have to go back, but I don't think he's reaching George Nying percentage on the threes. And we totally have lost that in our game when he comes on the floor, he, he does not strike fear in anybody from the three point line in the fear and the don't really go together, but, Team's worried about that when Yang would come in, he would hit the three. And Whiteside's not playing. So the one thing you had with Favors actually over the last year was he played every night. It's, it's just so so now my comment of two months ago, I think I need to reverse it. I almost would rather have those guys back. Yeah, there'll be stretches where like we'll we'll think the opposite. But I think with Gay, I think Quinn and the management they kind of had a different vision for the way it's going with gay and i think everybody else did but he definitely takes more shots and has the ball more than yang did so it hurts more yang didn't really have the ball in his hands much so he couldn't really have too much of an impact that gay has and yeah good good point i didn't think about that you put the ball in rudy gay's hands a lot more than you did george Yang. yeah and yang just yeah he'd be like what one for three versus gay's three for nine and so it's kind of maybe it plays out to the same percentage but it's just different impact and i think yang didn't really have too much impact to be negative 
But in order for us, in order for the Jazz to really make a run after the All Star break, and to really make a run in the playoffs, you have to get major production out of Whiteside. Because I'm looking at Rudy Gay's stats tonight, and he's got 18 minutes, four points, four rebounds, four assists, one of five from the floor. The assists are kind of, you know, a good little punch there. But you need somebody in that role playing 18 minutes, I think getting 10 points a night, six to seven rebounds, you know, and, and Gay's just not bringing that. And I don't know what his percentage is of three-point shots, but the, when he shoots, I'm thinking, I don't know if that's going in. When Niang used to shoot, I'd go, that is a chance of going in. And then he absolutely collapsed in the playoffs, and that was his end of his jazz life. But You forget about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Players have their stretches where they play really well and they're on runs for a little bit and then they're not. I, I don't know. I, I do. I can't say this, whether I know gay probably is, is definitely a better basketball player than Yang and Yang has definitely had some really bad moments when he was on our team and we overlooked that sometimes, but at least Yang kind of fit in with the team. And I feel like there was a little bit more of a chemistry and a vibe that he brought to the team in the locker room and on the bench and then at practices. And I don't know if that's what Gay is providing. And so it kind of doesn't feel like a homey team. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we're, we're kind of an old team in a sense. I mean, Donovan's still in his mid twenties. Rudy's in his late twenties. Conley's is in thirties. Boyan's in his thirties. Ingles is in his thirties. Clarkson might be approaching 30. Royce O'Neal, the same. Rudy Gay in his 30s. Hassan Whiteside in his 30s. Eric Pascal, mid-20s. But it's very – the makeup of the team is interesting. And many people right now that do what you and I do on podcasts, we're talking about the Jazz, are really wondering what's going to happen over the next two weeks as the trade deadlines come into view. Do you think the team – I, I, I'm not versed enough to say who it would be, but do you think the team, simple question, will make a change at the trade deadline? Yeah, so if there was, if black was team will make a trade, any trade, and red was nothing will be changed, I would put all my money on black, I think. I think the team will make a change. <laughs> okay. um, I think it's more probable that they will. You bring in Danny Ainge for what? Not to make a change? And so I think a change will be made I don't really know who, if I had to parlay that bet, I would probably say either Ingles or even, I hate to say it, but Clarkson might be out, uh, out for, for an opportunity to get some money or, or yeah, something. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you start to say one guy and then you pull back and you start to say another guy and you play, I do. And I go through it. You know, I, I know we did an episode and Utah's pretty psyched about having Danny Ainge. Um, I don't know if I ever really shared my feelings. I wasn't as wildly excited about that as most Utahns or maybe jazz fans. I think they love him because it, it's like the wild, wild West with Danny age. Like, Oh, he's going to make a trade. Look at his history. He's done all this. Well, yeah. So Daryl Mora, Moray of the Houston Rockets and now the Sixers, he's made a lot of trades too, you know, and, and what has it done for them? I worry and I, I have to tell you, this is a little bit of insight from me, and I don't have a lot of facts to truly back it up. Here we go. Let's go back to the Jazz record since Ainge became 
president and general manager or whatever his title is. Now, COVID has crushed us and that's the excuse. But do you think Ainge with his background and what he's known to do, which is make deals, comes in and the rest of the and guys that are on the bubble go, oh crap, what am I going to do? And they play a lot tighter than they usually do. And I think that's had an effect. I am going on record to say, I believe that's had an effect. I think that's more of correlation. I don't really think it's causation. I think Ainge, I don't know. I don't know behind the scenes works of things, but maybe, but I, I mean, if, if they are nervous that Ainge could potentially put them up for trade at any moment, they're taking a lot of shots and missing a lot of shots with that in mind. And it's, so I think, I yeah. think they know what he's capable of, but I, I think they're, they don't really care. Okay. Fair enough. A lot, a lot of, maybe some of the players too, don't really care to be in Utah. I mean, we have to think about that too. I hope that's not the case. I mean, that generally when we've been a winning team, guys love to be around each other, regardless of the, of the location, but you're probably right there as well. Let's put it this way. As I asked you and you put it all on black saying black's going to make the trade. Um, they better get it right because in my mind, if you make a trade and you don't get it right, this team might unravel. Yeah. You know, because the, the, the strange writers and rumors about the riff between Donovan and Rudy rears its head again. And is Donovan in too small of a market? And, you know, does Clarkson finally get tired and fed up? If they make a change, they better get it right. There's very little room for error because the window is now for the Jazz. The window is not tomorrow, and the window is not two or three years from now. It's it's upon us, and that change better be progressive. And if it's not, you really got to look hard at why you brought in the mind of Danny Ainge. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I 100% agree. So we'll see what happens. It's interesting. It's kind of sad, kind of wishing we would get to the all-star game and so that we could start playing harder basketball. But that's kind of the jazz mentality right now. Still have a little bit of games to play. So hopefully they stay positive and we're good. I just don't want to say, oh, well, let's just get to the all-star game and then we can start playing hard. But yeah, you know, the, I also looked back and saw some comparisons last year, the Milwaukee Bucks and their record at this time last year. We played 10 fewer games in the league, but what were they going through in the ups and downs? I'm sure if we were fans of the Bucks, we probably would have been hitting the panic button last year at this time because they weren't, you know, a great team. And then all of a sudden it clicked. Then all of a sudden it clicked, you know, about in March. And boy, did it click. And they went on to become champions. So I, I, there's time for this team to uh, – they went out and got – listen, they went out and got P.J. Tucker too. I mean, <laughs> that's what they did. And maybe he clicked in for them and became that, that dog that they needed and that three-point shooter to help them win an NBA championship. Yeah, I would take him too. So promising for the Jazz, I, I hope – if so, if you had to make a prediction for the next four games, what do you think it'd be? Because is it Golden State? Is that that's not home? Is it? Um, shoot, I think that 
is away. They go away. Golden State, Phoenix away, and then come back home on Wednesday. Phoenix. So I think they lose to Phoenix. Or they lose to Golden State, lose to Phoenix twice. So they'll go three for – I think they'll lose three out of the four games. Um, I'm going to say they split and they go two and two. Right. I don't know who they win. I just think they get two out of the next four. Now, if they get all four, our whole podcast and the thought about the trade deadline probably changes pretty quick. But yeah. uh, you got to get Donovan back in the mix. He'll come out of where he is from a concussion perspective. I, I think we'll. I think we should be at full strength on Sunday when we go to Golden State, right? White side, even white side. How long has he been in health and safety protocol? Seems I think like they brought him back too early because he was. Wait, is he? In, why is he in health and safety protocol? I think he had COVID, right? No. Oh, I thought he was still just concussion. No, no, no. So did him and Mitchell switch? Mitchell had COVID. No, Mitchell just. Mitchell hasn't COVID. had COVID yet, which is probably going to happen, I guess. Um. I don't know. The health and safety protocol is so confusing because you don't know what that – I just right. get confused because he had this concussion, and I guess that's in health and safety, safety protocol. I don't know. I just want him to be healthy. Yeah. Let's, like let's get everybody through. healthy, and let's get through this – the end of this month and into next month, and then we'll start being able to see what we have. The trade deadline is February 10th. At 3 p.m. Eastern. I don't even know what day of the week that is. Um, but so we're 20 days out from the, the trade deadline. It's going to be what, a lot. We didn't really pick our 10-day contract people very well. I don't know. Maybe I mean, no one's probably listening to this. I, yeah, that's a, that's a hard I, – I hear what you're saying, but that's a hard one. We just re-signed Daniel House to a, an extra 10-day, but I think we let Denzel Valentine's lapse. I think every team's running through that. I will tell you a team that's kind of clicked in has been the Mavericks. And I think Luka Doncic has had three triple doubles, double three triple doubles in the last three or four games, man, we just need to go catch a little bit of that lightning in a bottle once everybody gets healthy. And then, and then we'll make a run and see if we can win this championship. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, thanks dad. Thank you. Dad. Thank you, Spencer. Good night. Bye.